Hello one and all, welcome to this week's Red Voices, my name is Ewan, thank you as always for stopping by. We've had a couple of issues over the last week with uh, Kevin's and mine's laptops, so we've missed out on a few games unfortunately, so the only thing we've got this week is myself, Paul and Rich chatting about the Spurs game, but we will back up and running with a bigger episode after the West Brom game with any luck. Just one quick thing to mention, I know you guys are probably used to me being a bit soppy, but this is our 50th episode and that is kind of incredible, we are hugely hugely grateful for your support it means a heck of a lot and we are really really happy to keep on doing this we really appreciate each and every one of you listening and from myself kev rich and paul just thank you you guys have been absolutely fantastic right let's get straight to the spurs game paul we won we won and it was it was good not not the best performance not the best performance for, for the last few weeks really but very professional got the job done a lot of tension towards the end but just so good to come away with a win when we deserve to win. How uh, how much relief was going around Old Trafford when the full-time whistle went? Oh, it was huge. I mean, those last sort of te- 15, 20 minutes, the detention was almost unbearable. But, yeah, just huge relief. And and also, it felt like we deserved it, you know. Not just that day, but from all, all that's gone before the last few weeks. You know, we've played well. And not got our, our just rules really, and then this this week we actually did. It was fantastic. Excellent, Rich. I'm going to read a tweet out that you sent for before kickoff yeah. yesterday. Mkhitaryan goes through on goal, side foots from the far corner. Loris tips it past the post. United draw nil nil. Cue more luck, worldy talk. Yes, that was followed up by two more. It was, uh, and the second one was Mkhitaryan goes. Oh, was it a it thread? Was, it was, it All right, hold on, let's have a look. It was, it was today actually. My point was. It's got two scenarios. The first is McSaren goes through, side foots it, Loris tips it around the post, and we're talking about, everyone's talking about luck and, and amazing goalkeepers again. But McSaren didn't do that because he's ace at finishing and, and he absolutely walloped it and scored. And the, the point was that, that was his finishing was decisive, as decisive as our finishing hasn't been in previous home games. And that was the difference. Oh, that, that finish was one, it was one hell of a finish. It that. was. I was I was sat with my my, my mate on my left hand side and my little boy on my right hand side, and as he as he ran through on his own, I think he had the last hand to the left of him, and I just I assumed he was going to just like square it off and Zlatan would sky it, and he absolutely battered it, and Loris had no chance, and you're absolutely right, Richard. That's exactly what we've been missing. It was fantastic, but that's that's what we've been missing. Looking at how Mkhitaryan has come into the side. How surprised have you been by his, well, can we use the word adaption over the last couple of weeks? Not in the slightest, because he's a fantastic player. He's a brilliant player. He's, he's technically gifted. He's sublime to watch. The way he caresses the ball is is, is beautiful. We know he can score goals, because he's done it for Dortmund. He had a tough first season at Dortmund, did much better in his second season. We all knew what a player we had on our hands, but it's, it's, it's so good to see him finally given a chance and he's taken it with, with, with both hands and it's just wonderful to see. And he seems like a really nice guy as well, like very quite sensitive and very obviously quite intelligent. What happened with him uh, could have broken a lot of players and it's just fantastic to see that, that, that it hasn't broken him. It's, in fact, it, it seems to have taken, like, made him stronger almost. Rich, do you echo those sentiments? Yeah, I mean, as Paul was saying, you know, we signed, we signed a guy who's 27. He's, he's at his peak and... He had, you know, had a great season for Dortmund last year, and so what we're seeing now isn't a surprise. And we've been saying for the last few weeks that United really miss a match winner. You know, Chelsea top of the league, and essentially because 
of the brilliance of Costa and Hazard. And, you know, Costa won, won them three points again this weekend. And we've missed that. We've missed somebody who can finish decisively like that. And so he, he's come in and he's really made the difference in all of the games that he's played since his return. You know, it was, it was quite cruel that he got injured because see the impact that he could have for us over the next few weeks. We just have to cross our fingers and hope he's back in, in the next next week or so. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how United cope without him uh, over the next two games. So we've got Palace on Wednesday and then West Brom at the Hawthorns on Saturday. So it's only those two games that you should be missing for. And part of me thinks, well, we should be able to cope. But the other part of me just thinks mm, 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 reality. So I'm not necessarily sure how that will go whatsoever. It'll be interesting to see how Mourinho handles that because Mkhitaryan's looked like our most likely player to make something happen. You know, he's he's been lively. He's been exciting. He's, you look at the way that he took on uh, Danny Rose on the right flank, which eventually led to him getting injured uh, with that uh, challenge when he sort of got his ankle was fallen on essentially. And yeah, that that was great to see from Mkhitaryan, basically outpacing an incredibly fast player and getting around him, you know, not being afraid to take players on, you know, being decisive and fast and, and you know, really, really thrilling to watch. He he could be a very proper United player if he carries on in that fashion, which is really exciting to see. One other player that I wanted to bring up, uh, well, before we get too deeply into actually match analysis, uh, Rich, was Herrera. Now, uh Kev went on an extended uh, love-in on Twitter on the account later on yeah, yesterday after the game. What have you made of him so far this season? I think he's becoming one of our most important and consistent players. It's a, it, it's, it's a real shame because I think when he, when he came uh, two and a half years ago, we could see that we'd signed a really good player, but for whatever reason, Van Holds didn't take to him at all. And they've been kind of two wasted, wasted years for him. But he's... You know, Mourinho's trusted him and he's playing him consistently in the same position. I think we're getting out of him, you know, the sort of performances that we hope we were signing two and a half years ago. I think he's it was his inclusion in the Spain squad and getting onto the pitch was, you know, just reward for really for, for the performances he's been putting in. And I think if there's one area of the team that United really don't have a problem with, it's the midfield. I think the midfield with Carrick and Pogba there is, is as strong as any midfielder in the Premier League at the moment. Which is incredible, isn't it, really, when you think about how long it's taken to replace Roy Keane. No, I'm not saying we have replaced Roy Keane. I think you can replace Roy Keane, but the midfield has been such a big problem for, for such a long time. And now suddenly the midfield is, is probably the least of our worries. Well, that's nice. I'm well, enjoying it, is, it. It is. I mean, you know, we, we, we do have a very good midfield. We're dominating games. We're generally dominating possession, even though we didn't play particularly well at Everton. First 70 minutes, that midfield really dominated the game and we should have should have been outside. So, you know, as Paul said, it's one area that we, we had so much angst over for such a long time. And now we, we really do have... I mean, I suppose the one the one downer is that Carrick's 35 and we're going to have to find a replacement for him. But in, in Pogba and Herrera, I think we've got, you know, two settled midfielders for the next four or five years if they, if they choose to stay. And Paul Pogba, you know, what a player he is. I mean... He's going about it quite quietly, and I know you get all these people on Twitter who, oh, you know, he's he's only scored one goal or two goals, whatever it might be, but the the he literally controls games. Is is and he's a fantastic player to watch. I mean, I feel privileged watching him play football. He's like no other player I've ever seen. He's, he's he really is so good. Seems to be getting better and better as obviously as the weeks go by. It's fantastic. What a player. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, actually, one player that I think deserves special mention alongside Marcus Rocco 
Feel the Dominator Jones. It's happening, Paul. He's actually not that bad. He's not that bad. And, you know, when he first came to United, I think we all saw from his time at Blackburn that he that there was a fantastic player there. And he was played out of position a lot by Fergie. And then it, uh, it had just injury after injury. But Mourinho said today that he, he's been working really hard. I think he said something like the, the medical part of the medical department that he trusts most. And then his own physio... And he looks strong and, and, and athletic. And what a difference between the Phil Jones, either sort of comical Phil Jones that we all know, and the Phil Jones of now. Well, the, for the, the best thing I can say about Phil Jones was that late challenge when Danny Rose steamed into the penalty area. And to get the ball, in considering how fast Rose is, to get it cleanly considering the the time and then get the game. When everyone was the, panicking as well. Away, so many late goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole, the whole stadium was just tense, you know, thinking, thinking oh, here we go again. And he just, he just did, his, did, his, did his thing. Fantastic. Yeah. Rich, do you reckon he's going to make it a bit more difficult for the likes of Smalling to get back into the side if he keeps his form up? I think he's a better defender than Chris Smalling is. I totally agree with that. And I, I do wonder if he's... A bit like Johnny Evans or of the Johnny Evans situation in that Evans was stuck in a rut of of not playing every game and getting repeated injuries, niggling injuries that were just keeping him out for for periods of time. And you've seen how he's how he's suddenly become so reliable and his performance levels have improved at West Brom when he's playing football every week. And I think some footballers just need to be playing every week to actually maintain their peak fitness. And, you know, Phil Jones has played seven games and so it could all go terribly wrong. But He's he's clearly benefiting from playing every single game, and I think that I'd be really surprised if Mourinho wasn't looking at that defence now and thinking who out of those two that are there now, Rocco or Jones, and even with Smalling fit, who should, who should I ultimately pair with Eric Eric Bailly? And I think he must be looking at Phil Jones. He's been very very complimentary about him as well, hasn't he? He's talked about how he trusts. Yeah, him. he has. He's yeah, in the line and whatever. So I think that's the word, Rich. I think trust is the word. He, he trusts him. He obviously likes him as a, as a guy and as a player. I think Phil Jones has clearly been working really hard and showing that in training and, and whatnot, you know, and Mourinho seems to really like him. I think Chris Smalling is probably our fourth choice defender now, in Mourinho's eyes. It's going to be interesting to see how he comes back into the lineup. You know, I just I don't think, think he will. I don't think any of us realistically saw Rocco and Jones yeah. having this sort of impact. You know, the defence has been... You know, chopped and changed so often over the last couple of months, and to have those two at the minute be a relatively solid sense of that partnership is a real, you know, it, it's a proper bonus for us considering how the way the last few months have gone. Yeah, the thing with Rocco is that you still, what well, I do anyway with, with Rocco, I still feel that there's always potentially a catastrophic mistake in him. You know, he's one of those defenders that you, could, you feel he could lose his head quite easily, but. The last few weeks, he's been fantastic. I mean, he was he was immense against Tottenham. Not that's kind of a bit Calm too down. far, but some of it, honestly, some of his early tackles against Kane, who's a fantastic striker, and he just set the tone early on. You know, literally within the first five ten minutes, he set the tone with some crunching sliding tackles, well timed, and you just think yeah, he's got him in his pocket, no. and he did. Kane, Harry Kane, barely no, featured. No, I think you're game. right. I think the the interesting thing about that game in particular was that whilst we've seen several times over the course of the season games where we, you know, we 
done really well, controlled the game, but then given away a late goal. You know, it was a similar theme to a certain extent. Tottenham didn't have a hell of a lot of chances. You know, there was the long range free kick uh, from Ericsson that uh, De Gea palmed away. There was that pullback that Ericsson hit pretty much straight at De Gea, and then there was that that one great chance of the second half where Victor Manyama had that free header uh, after that free kick. And apart from that, I wouldn't necessarily say we came under an absolute barrage of pressure, but it was just good to see the defence hold out. And that was even with Darmian and Valencia not having particularly great games on the flanks either. Darmian was Darmian was horrible, wasn't he? <laughs> to be honest, I, I can't... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there, guys. I don't, I don't think Matthew Darmian is a left-back. I'm going to put that out there too. I, I would no. agree with you on that one. I, I hope that he goes to right-back if he's going to play <laughs> on Wednesday against Palace because he's not done very well at left-back. And he surely can't be that much better than Blinden Shaw. He's just not a left back. Shaw sure might be injured, but still, it's a weird choice for me. And also, and also, Daily Blind. I think Daily Blind's a better left back than mm. Darmian. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I actually prefer Blind to at left back, or have have preferred him at left back this season than Shaw. You know, Shaw struggled struggled a bit as well. Blind always seems to be. Uh, he's always been a better left back. Yeah, he seems to be. He seems very dependable there, and you know, he's always got a really incisive pass in him as well. He's fantastic with the ball at his feet. Like I say, passing wise, he's also a very willing player, isn't he? Like he'll get up and down the line, he'll do what he's told to do. I just think he's far better than Darmian uh, in that position, at least. And like, and and also with with, with Darmian, his, his distribution is so terrible. And it wasn't good yesterday, was it? Whereas Blint, it's like the opposite end of the spectrum, Absolutely. isn't it? Rich, one thing I wanted to ask you, given your love of our lovely Zlatan, uh, was his hold-up play yesterday. It was pretty damn superb, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lot better. I mean, that's the one. The one gripe in recent weeks. I mean, previously I've, I've critical of his finishing, which was fair enough. I mean, he, you know, he'd had something like eighty shots without scoring, and he, you know, it was costing us. But he scored. What's he scored? Seven in seven in six now, I think, or seven in seven. But and the one, the one gripe was his hold up play. Because I think at Everton he really, really struggled to hold the ball in the second half, particularly. And it, and it, not not just him, but it cost us because we couldn't relieves the pressure at the end but you know there, there are times when he does do that extremely well and I think yesterday was an example of that um, I think the frustrations with Zatan not that he's not good enough it's that he doesn't always show the ability that he had at PSG last year all the time I suppose we, we have high standards for him and I guess the way he presents himself as, as having high standards himself is why we expect more of him because he he thinks more of himself and he's done a lot so um, but yeah, I mean, he had a very he had a very good game on um, on Sunday, uh, except for again, you know, he sort of had one half chance, and I think it, they're the sorts of chances that he's struggling with a little bit, and he just kind of scuffed it, scuffed it. Mm. At, at oh Lawrence, yeah, is right when he could he could you know he could have hit that harder or sort of pushed it inside a bit and, and gone across goal. I wouldn't even call that a half chance. I think that was a chance. It was a really good chance. Yeah, it was. But I mean, I'm being, if I'm being critical, I mean, generally I thought he had a pretty decent game at the weekend. Yeah. Rich, sticking with you, uh, the Fellaini booze. Now, that was uh, widely lambasted on Twitter when he was warming up on the, the near side touchline. What did you make of it in the stadium? I don't like booing our own players as much as I, you, you know, my rabid dislike of Marion Fellaini as a footballer for Manchester United, but I wouldn't ever boo a United player and I, I wouldn't condone anybody else doing it either. What do you reckon, Paul? I can't stand it. It really pisses me off. He made a mistake. He's not a, he's not a United standard player. We all know that. Um, he didn't. He made a mistake against Everton. Booing him, I mean, it's just pathetic. Yeah. Just makes it worse. And how how, it? how, how help, much does that it? make the other United players feel about 
you know, playing for United when when they hear one of their own getting booed by by their own fans. It's just absolutely abhorrent. That's fair enough. <clears throat> I mean, there was an outpouring of abuse for him last weekend. So I think the sort of the moral high groundness of it all wound me up a little bit on Twitter, but I completely agree. You know, I think that there's definitely, there's absolutely no need to boo a player like that just when he's warming up. You know, it's, it's counterproductive to a huge extent. Yeah. But the thing is, you and like, we were, we were all annoyed with Marlon Fellaini against Everton. Of course we were. He made a mistake, but to boo your own player is so counterproductive. I, it's it's no, baffling. No, I, think you're completely correct. I don't understand why people do it. I would agree with you completely there, my friend. Let's just before we actually get on to questions, just one more thing. Rich, how well set up do you think we are now to go on what is known as a mini run over the next couple of weeks or so with a busy Christmas period? My my only concern was that apart from Mkhitaryan's finishing, the rest of our finishing uh, yesterday was kind of par for the course. You know, we had a few we had a few quite decent chances. Even even Pogba's really early one. And they're the sorts of chances that, that really deadly players just, you know, fire home. But we, we don't quite do it. You know, there's always a save there or it's always off the post or the bar. Or We could have had, we could have won that game more comfortably yesterday. And my only concern is without Mkhitaryan, if, he, if he's not fit, we're back to the situation we were before where we've got players who aren't aren't finishing decisively at the moment. And and it will, you know, a lot of a lot of the pressure therefore falls on Zlatan and whether he has a good day or not because he's the only player we've got who's consistently scoring. You know, Martial's Martial's struggling, uh, Rashford's really really struggling, Lingard. You know, you, you can't really trust Lingard to to score too regularly. Matter scores every so often, but we, we, behind behind our Ibrahimovic, we haven't got a player who's got more than four or five goals. I don't think I might be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. If we're going to go on a run, and we've got four four really presentable fixtures now before over the next few weeks so the winnable games if we're going to do that then some other players have got to stand up and actually finish some chances Paul we'll start off with you mate at Carl Robinson asks can we talk about how good Mkhitaryan's first touch was for the goal yesterday just set himself up beautifully he's just a fantastic player really unbelievably good player um, great to watch and that touch I mean but the pass from Herrera as well we've got a really good, we've got it? some fantastic players at the club <laughs> I think we're actually building something quite potentially quite special, and I think he he is the main man right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, Rich uh, at Red Steven seventy six wants to know why on earth are we playing Darmian at left back? I, I have absolutely no idea, and I think I think several million people said the same thing at the same time on Twitter yesterday. So no clue whatsoever. You know, we've got Daily Blint there who can do a really good job there, and Darmian has never really done a very good job there. So I, no, it made no sense to me. Sticking with you, at King Kyle asks, now that the curse has been lifted, I believe we can win our next four Premier League games. Am I delusional? There's no curse. It's just finishing. So... <laughs> very, very pragmatic there. Well, yeah, there's, there's no curse. There's, it's just finishing. And if, if we win our next four games, it will be because we finish better. And if we finish better, we can win our next four games. So, yes, we can. Paul, what do you reckon? Is uh, is our friend Rick there being a little bit delusional? Or do you reckon he's being realistic given that we have now won two games on the truck for the first time in some time? I'm hoping that the, the, this win, because it's a big win. I mean, you know, when you consider the, the consequences of us losing that game or drawing it even, um, it's a really huge result for us. I'm hoping that's going to give us confidence to go forward. We need to go on a bloody run. We really do. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, we can do it. 
Sounds good to me. Right, one last one from uh, Roy Keane, and I should stress that's not the actual Roy Keane. Uh, also, how long will this Rashford thing on the wing be a thing until common sense prevails? I think, to be fair, to answer that one, that's mostly going to be until Slatan's not fit to play a game. And even then, that's not confirmed, really, is it? I feel really sorry for Rashford. He shouldn't be playing there. It's, it's really, it, like, it's not his position. He's not very good at it. Um, he's been asked to, do, to defend when he's crap at defending. I think he's been a bit unfortunate in that we've got ourselves into a situation very early in the season where we needed to win. All, we, there's a pressure on us to win all of our games. And I think in that circumstance, Mourinho hasn't felt that he can rotate Ibrahimovic. And so his compromise has, has been really since the start to, to play Rashford on the wing as a nod to we have to play Rashford because he's this great young talent and I have to show that I'm playing this great young talent, but it's been counterproductive because he's really not suited to playing there. And I, I hope, as as the games become more numerous over Christmas and the New Year period, that Prowse will rotate a bit and Rashford will get some time playing up front, which is where you know where he really needs to be to get some form going. Yeah, well, I think that should hopefully happen at some stage soon. You know, I've, I've looked at our fixture lists for the upcoming months. You know, we've got 12 games spread out across January and February and that's with you know the today's uh, draw that we'll go into San Etienne for the uh, last 32 of the Europa League you know you've got FA Cup third round potentially fourth round if we get past Reading you've got the EFL semi-finals against Hull and maybe the final if we get past them there's a lot of games coming up and Zlatan can't play all of them we would just burn him out and you know there's there's some division in the United's fan base in terms of you know how and how good he has been for the club so far this season. But the reality of it is he's still scoring goals, and we need to keep him doing that. But we still also need to have a backup plan, and I think Rashford is arguably the second best plan that we have up front. But we'll leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your company tonight, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget the usual spiel. You can get us at Twitter at Red Voices MUFC. You can get Paul at Paul Gunning One and Rich at at richardcan76 and me at you and Lennox. We hope you have an absolutely wonderful week and we'll be back with you after the West Brom game. Cheers and good night. Cheers.